by yourself? He's hiding. There's a man in my house. Oh, no. Exact replica. They know how he thinks. It's always the same MO with slight variations. It's got partial prints, trace evidence, blood type even, but uh, still no torch. But to find out who he is, they'll need more than just his fingerprints. So this is a clone of the killer. Van Damme is Replicant. Live from the last of the Action Heroes Podcast Network Studios, It's Nothing Worthwhile presents Van Dammit, a podcast about Jean-Claude Van Damme. Here's Evan Moody and Andrew Gruthius. What is that, a Cobra Kai hat? What are you wearing? What, the hat? Yeah, what are you wearing? What is that? It's, I have you minimized because I got my it's, notes. Uh, no Mercy, yeah, Cobra Kai. <laughs> okay, all righty. Ah, the sweet sounds of one William Martin Joel. That makes two podcasts in a row that we've faded into uh, Billy Joel song. What was the last Aud one? Lang Aud Lang oh, Aud Lang Zai. Oh, Aud Lang Zai, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, hey, this uh, is, you know, this is, uh, this is a great song. Uh, interesting that you thought that because I I think it is as well and if it was the final deal I think it's a fitting sort of a fitting end yeah but are they the last words are they well actually we'll get into uh, news for we have a lot of news that's going to impact the nothing worthwhile neighborhood I've actually changed it Andrew it's no longer the nothing <laughs> worthwhile universe the neighborhood because as comparative to World Wrestling Entertainment, our fan base is, I would say, respectfully, significantly smaller. So, you know, like a neighborhood of 30 people, uh, we have a lot of news that impacts the nothing worthwhile neighborhood. And it's actually a small neighborhood in Mumbai. So, you know. <laughs> Exactly. 
It, exactly. We've got uh, we've got Billy Joel news. We've got wrestling news. We've got uh, who news doesn't on have our wrestling favorite. news these days? Exactly. Exactly. So, uh, actually, in preparation, well, let's do this. Welcome to Nothing Worthwhile, episode number one hundred and eighteen. We are back on the last of the Action Heroes podcast network, as once again Andrew and I are doing it Van Dam at style as we take a look at our guy Jean Claude Van Dam. Is this the inevitable uh, cha-cha slide for Jean-Claude as uh, Andrew and I will uh, take a look at 2001 Replicant? Of course, my co-host, Andrew Gruthius, live from Coconut Creek, Florida. I'm Evan Moody, live from Phoenix, Arizona. Uh, Andrew, in preparation for today's podcast, I I went on and I listened to One More Round, (laughs) the uh, Rocky podcast with Kyle, Katie, and Ryan Rabalkin. They were covering Rocky Three. I, I learned a lot of stuff about Kyle, Katie, and Ryan, and a lot of stuff about Rocky Three. Yeah, well, I, I you know, I've said it before. I actually enjoy when they do that because it's fun to listen to and discover things that I haven't seen before. Um, I, you know, and we've extended uh, our our uh, desire to join them over there, but I think we were kind of kind of turned down. So. Uh, yeah, because uh, it, it would be fun because it'd be a lot of fun for me at least to 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 talk about uh, about a lot of the stuff. I have a lot of opinions on 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 all of the perspectives that they give, and they're good perspectives. But uh, you know, I guess uh, we'll just stay in our lane. I guess, as they say. These well, here's the thing: before we get into the into it, I've learned a lot. Katie apparently is always vacationing and summering. Like uh, she was like, "Hey guys, I'm going to Mexico for a couple of you know a couple of days," and. Kyle was like, man, you like you got the greatest schedule. I thought in America you guys work hard and are stressed out and don't have any time. <laughs> and she's like, oh, I'm heading to. I always take some time. That's my female voice, by the way. Yeah. You know, guys, I'm he- I'm heading to Mexico. And uh, Kyle, he kind of does like the color. He does like the real in depth stuff. And then Ryan, I feel like Ryan is actually a real life action hero. He's now stationed in he the certainly Middle East. Is. I don't know how he does it. Like he makes it sound like he's in like a tomb somewhere, <laughs> and I don't know how they they got internet and you know Wi Fi, but uh, you know and well, you know says, that, he I mean, says very he says very little. He made it. Uh, you know, he said basically on the last podcast, just real quick, he's hopeful to head home soon safely. And I'm like, man, whatever he's doing is dwarfing what Stallone and Schwarzenegger did. In the movies, like Ryan's a real life action hero. Yeah, well, I mean, look, he's a he's in service to his country, and uh, you know, as as a fellow North American, that affects us greatly. So, uh, what Ryan does, you know, we can't thank him enough for. And uh, yeah, I don't know how he does it either, but you know what? That's these these people are they're Superman. They 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 can they have powers that we don't, Evan. Yeah, so he has all, you know, I guess he has time to podcast. And so the two things I picked up on the Rocky Three was um, they talked a lot about, see, this is the stuff, they get into what I would say respectfully is minutia. And I don't know if I would want to go into this, but I did recognize they talked about when Apollo gives Rocky his colors, his shorts, right. uh, to in honor of the Clubber Lang I guess the second Clubber Lang fight and how that would ruin continuity because it wouldn't fit Rocky. It would have to be size. And then I was thinking to myself, it would have been really funny if Stallone was like, yo, Apollo, uh, the, the cod piece is too big. It's too big in the groin. You know, you're, 
you're an African American. I'm a, you know, I'm an Italian. What, you know, so they were talking about that in continuity wise. That that would kind of make sense, right? Yeah, but but the bigger point is that I actually like that minutia because the Rocky series in particular is one of those that I can recite from beginning to end, and I've seen them so many times, and so I enjoy looking beyond you know what's right in your face and that, and that's what I so I enjoy that minutia even and no matter how far it goes with Rocky because everything is on the screen for a reason so um okay yeah. and so we've talked about this before but they do touch upon the homoeroticism of Rocky 3 <laughs> the, a lot of the scenes with the guy you know with uh, Carl Weathers and Sylvester Stallone with their shirts off not a hair on their body literally baby oiled and they're running around and they're hugging half naked in, in the water, wearing these little half mini shirts. And I, the only, my only question I wanted to ask of you is because we have talked about this and we've goofed on it, yeah. you know, in a loving way. But do you think that that, that, wasn't, that that wasn't a decision Stallone directorial wise? Was it just more of the, of the fashion and that Stallone was in his handsome phase? You know what I mean? Like, I, think I, don't it, think he... I, I would say partly for both. I don't think because, you know, we've been living with Rocky three since since it came out. We saw it in the theaters. I know I did more than once. Um, and that was 1982. So we that stuff wasn't really goofed on until decades later. We didn't think anything of it when we saw it. And for many years later. And, and you know what? We still don't. It's others. You know, we respond to that minutia. But we don't see it that way. You know why? Because by Rocky Three, we had already we already knew these characters inside and out. So the thought was when they're running down the beach to gonna fly now, not oh my god, this is like they're gonna start making out. It's look at these guys who <laughs> look at these guys who a movie ago were beating the shit with it, out of each other within an inch of their lives, and now. The, the 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 bad guy is training the good guy it's the coolest thing ever and uh so that's what we were thinking about but it's you know years later when people you know i mean yeah it doesn't translate well to today's audience and that's the first thing first time viewers and early viewers are going to see um because they haven't lived with these characters the way we have so that so to me it's a it, it's fun to talk about but it's also, uh, I don't believe that there was any, I don't, there was probably a little vanity on, well, a lot of vanity on, yeah, uh, on Stallone's on. part. Stallone, um, Stallone is in mid, come on, yes, respectfully. Abso- absolutely, mid, absolutely. Handsome, I mean, even, face. even if you go and, I mean, and just, you could, go ahead, go ahead. You could see the progression from Rocky to two to three, his, his physique, Gets more and more impressive with each film, and Rocky Three really he took it to an insane level, and then he still built upon that yeah. in Rocky Four. Well, in Rocky Four, to put to put a cherry on this, in, in Rocky Four, um, supposedly that was when he was in his absolute best shape of his life, like the like exactly. two percent body fat or whatever. And there, if you and f- just follow me here for a second. Because if you watch the if you watch the original version of Rocky Four and the recut that he did, there is a significantly less amount of vanity shots 
in the new one as than the old one. And I and it's it's enough so that it's noticeable. I'll give you one quick example and then we'll move on. Ugh. One I'm just gonna give you one quick example. Do you remember in Rocky Four when uh it's Drago and Rocky and it's the first round and they're walking to the ring? And they're and they're walking to uh, each other in the center of the ring. Okay, and yeah. there's a shot of Drago, and he does that. I don't even know what it's called. What is it when you flick your peck that you know you 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 flex the muscle a in your pop. peck pop? Peck so pop. So uh, they show Drago do one, then they show Rocky do one. Uh, that's in the original. Okay, in the new one, that's not there. It's a it's close ups of their of their faces as they're walking up to each other. So that's an example of some of the different angles and shots that Stallone chose to use for the director's cut. And I think it took out some of that vanity that you're talking about. Uh, okay. Yeah. But I don't even know how that get, connects to Rocky three, because first of all, grew Rocky first Drago. That was recut, reedited with Stallone. Who's now well into his seventies. So I'm sure he's looking for a more serious toned, Rocky Four, Rocky versus Drago, which, by the way, Andy talked about. He, 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 you know, <laughs> he called go. me. I yeah, can't I wait just for us to see it, and then we watch it, and he falls asleep on the couch. <laughs> I, so, to be fair, I had already seen it twice. <laughs> oh, whatever! No, how, how dare you? How dare you? How dare you? How dare you? All he, all he, all he couldn't. Well, like, we're going to see it in New York, Rocky versus Drago, and I turn, I go, grew that scene, and he. <laughs> <laughs> he is not lying, folks. He's not that lying. That happened. All right, Gru, uh, we got a lot of we've got a lot of news to discuss that's going to uh impact the nothing worthwhile neighborhood. So yeah. let's tee it up. Uh it's nothing worthwhile breaking news. And I Am I on? Am I in? Wait. All right, thank you, Gru. Uh, nothing worthwhile. Breaking news brought to you in New York Life Center. Blah 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 blah. <laughs> Actually, wait, Marie's uh, not going to like that. <laughs> well, we have the we have the commercial. She's true, out right true. now. Uh, hopefully, make we got to uh, get her to record another. Uh, we, she Marie needs to record. I know. I know. We need to all right. That. All right. Well, you'll see her. You'll see her soon enough. Okay. Listen, this this broke within the last forty eight hours, so I don't even have this on my notes i'm looking at my phone so please don't fact check me andy but i'm going to give you just a real quick we 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 texted a little bit actually i wanted i like to open with good news and then we could do the bad but this is so stunning a story that it, we got to open up with vincent kennedy mcmahon who is the the founder of modern i'm looking at espn's website right now the modern founder of wwe world wrestling federation world wrestling entertainment 1982 um, and so we have, again, I'm just going to go off the top of my head. We've talked about it. He has a lawsuit from a young lady who I believe is 43 years old. She, her name is out there, Janelle Grant. She worked in the WWE legal and talent department, and she is claiming she is suing McMahon uh, for uh, harassment, sexual trafficking, and some of the allegations are just stunning, and I'm just going off the top of my head, obviously, with inappropriate uh Inappropriate contact, uh, inappropriate harassment, and of course, sexual relations, literally passing her along to fellow executives in World Wrestling Entertainment, ha having her or forcing her or coercing her to into uh, sending salacious videos to perhaps wrestling talent, contracted or otherwise, um, and uh, basically... Uh, Really, really uh, sordid stuff. And as of this morning, Vince has resigned. 
uh, from the TKO board. Obviously, we've talked about the merger with Endeavor and TKO and UFC. So Vincent McMahon is no longer at all affiliated with World Wrestling Entertainment. I'll take a sippy of my Pellegrino. Just a stunning fall from grace. There's no bigger wrestling fan than myself and Andrew Gruthius. I'm curious to hear what Andrew thinks. Groot, yeah, the floor is, is yours. This is absolutely horrible. This is, um, it's, it's, I, but we can't be honest with ourselves without saying this is anything that surprises us, to be quite, you know, I mean, we, we can't be truly honest. We, we know what kind of guy, we've known for a long time what kind of guy, you know, Vince McMahon is. What we didn't know was the depths of, uh, or what we don't know, I should, I, you know, got to be fair. What we don't know are the depths uh, of the depravity and the behavior. According to this lawsuit, some of the most heinous things, I, you know, things you, I, I don't even think one could make up. Um, no need to go into them. Just you, you imagine it, and it's there. Um, so thank God that uh, he had the good sense to to take himself out completely although i'm sure it was not his choice and and that's and that's exactly what it should be um but like uh, you know you can't I, I guess we can't convict him until and this is not and it's not a criminal matter yet uh if it's found that he did these things then it should be a criminal matter and the guy should go to prison for the rest of his life if he did what's outlined in this uh lawsuit we don't know the answer to that um, the, so there are two questions here. First, will justice be, be served? And then the second question is how will it affect things going forward? The first one, we can only hope that our system will do its job and the truth will come out and, uh, whatever the truth is, the appropriate, um, levies, uh, will, will be, uh, laid down. The second part um, about how it affects things going forward. I actually have good news and bad news. Um, I'll tell the bad news first. The bad news is it's going to affect some popular talent that we like uh, starting tonight. Um, and we, you know, we'll talk about that, uh, I think, at the end there. Um, but the good news is that uh, I was, you know, uh, as you know, I was at WWE SmackDown last night, um, and I was curious to see what the vibe would be. I was actually kind of nervous about it because I felt the stench of this specter would be, no, no, no. That's what I was thinking. I was like, is this going to be in the air? Is it going to, is it going to be the, the elephant in the room? And I got to tell you, not even close. That place was, that place was hot last night. The, uh, you know, I don't know how the show looked on TV, but, uh, being there in person, it was a terrifically fun show. And even, you know, the, uh, it was morale seemed very high last night and I was very pleasantly surprised by that given the circumstances. So, uh, that's really all I have to say so far. Uh, other than, you know, like, like I said, if, if he did this, then go to hell. I can't, I can't, you what know, are you, what are you, Stephen Larson? Am I not? Am, am I wrong? Um, uh, no, Stephen Larson, Stephen Larson have convicted him already. I, I, All right. So, well, okay, so that's why you bring them up. Yeah. Regularly. Yeah. They could, they've convicted him. Like... I, I wait, I'll, 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 I'll piggyback off that because yes. And actually it was kind of annoying 
the you know like and and I do still listen to them, but you know they seem to lo- they seem to try to look for anything they can like poke at the WWE for, um, and uh, it's like they're held to a higher standard than any anybody else. Um, so they've convicted McMahon already. All right, they're like sitting there. Oh, this is the most disgusting thing we've ever done. This is terrible, and uh, the wrestling uh, WWE has a huge problem, and rah, 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 you know, and that's not what it is. What it is is this guy is has been sued. Okay, has been sued. Has not been charged with a crime. Has been sued by someone who is claiming that he did something. All right. People get sued every day, multiple times a day for bullshit. Do I think this is bullshit? No. But let's see what happens. So, you know, in res- that was my in response to what, uh, you know, you talking about Stephen Lars. Uh, dogs are running to the front door. Somebody's uh, barking. Uh, Uh-oh. Dogs are running to the front door. Um, Woof. I don't know. I was listening. I, I said to Andy before the sh- show... Let's get to our points. Let's move. <laughs> and I felt like I was listening to MSNBC as Andy was, uh, you know, giving the news and opinion all in one. Um, all right. So let me let me respond to your thoughts. Um, I don't think there'll be anything criminally. I think this will be a civil matter. Um, basically, this started because he didn't follow through on an NDA. So they had a, they had an NDA agreement and he did not follow through with payments. Um I absolutely believe it as well, maybe for different reasons. Um, We've heard these allegations before on Vince, so clearly there's patterns of behavior established here. If this was a one-off, this was the first time, or even the second time, I might say, it's a he said, she said, let's see. Um, You know, Vince, this happened in 2020, which really tells me he's he's an arrogant, arrogant guy because we're already in the Me Too movement. These sort of things aren't going to fly anymore not that they ever really did and um you know so you know his arrogance you know and he sort of played into it into his on-screen character and i'm sure into his off-screen as well you know i think about his children shane and stephanie and his wife linda they live separately but they must be so bitterly disappointed and no and do I see it? should it affect embarrassed okay but to the product no no why would it affect the fans, the product is the product. Vince has really been only tangentially related to the WWE over the last couple of years. He was out for a period of time and forced his way back in. Hence the arrogance, which I, I referenced earlier. Um, so no, I don't think it's going to affect the uh, the in the in ring product. As to if there's ancillary fire with um, other talent. Uh, well, there's already one. There's already one that we know of. But it should. I don't even think it should be, in my judgment. But but it's already been announced. Me. I think it's already All been right, announced okay. that. Uh, well, let's just say it. Uh, uh, Lesnar is not. It was pl- was going to be as part of the Rumble, and now will not be because of this. All right, well, I hate to say it. Don't really need him there. I but, agree. I I, uh, I I'm bummed. I'll keep going. I'm sorry. I'm but, sorry. I mean, no, I mean, you know, what, Vince told the girl to send some salacious videos to him? That's his, that's his fault? That's his problem? Uh, you know, that's what I've read. Uh, should right. pay a price for that? I don't know. Yeah, but yeah. but here's, here's the thing, and I agree with you in reality, um, not just because I'm a fan of Brock Lesnar, um, but, uh, 
you got this huge merger that literally the day before was going on TV saying this is the biggest thing ever in the history of the universe with Dwayne Johnson signing on as the the one of the board members and all this thing. So you have a lot of entities that are now connected to this whole thing. So they are going to get rid of anybody who is even close to this thing. That's that's what Endeavor and whoever runs this whole thing, because now they're in control. You know, they tell Triple H, hey, if Ari Emanuel, if that's his name, he tells uh, Triple H, hey, you got to get rid of this guy. Um, bad news. We already lost a sponsor, Slim Jim. So uh, get rid of him. Triple H has to do it. So so they're, it's too big to be able to, to I'm, uh, I'm you know, so that's giving why. giving you my opinion, though. You know, if, and I agree with uh, you. I, I think... Brock Lesnar, there's going to be ancillary fire, and I. What does that mean? You're using these words now. After you texted that to me, I actually looked it up, and I couldn't figure it out. What do you? He's like a side. He's going to be a side casualty. He's not in the mix, but he's going to get some side. He's going to. Okay, now I get it. He's going to get some professional consequences for for something that I think he's only sort of on the surface related to. Okay, I get it. I don't have to like it. And that's that. But since you dipped into it already now, because I had these news articles lined up since you spoiled what I... my next oh, I'm segments. Sorry. I'm sorry. But let's get let's get. Uh, of course, uh, let's get to it, though. Uh, on better news, Monday Night Raw grew has found a new home and it's not on cable. Wait, is, it, is this fun Tuesday. facts? No, I would have announced. Oh, OK. Facts. All right. I'm We're sorry. talking about WWE okay. still breaking. Yes. It. Ah, OK, go ahead. <laughs> Let me take a sip of my Pellegrini. <laughs> Stop. What do you? What's that pill you're popping? <sighs> I'm not popping. What's any that pill. thing in your mouth? You're. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, I don't know. no, I'm, I'm saying you're you're like self medicating. You're so frustrated. Oh no 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 no! no. How dare you? How, How dare, dare you? you? How dare you? Uh, Monday Night Raw grew has found a new home. It's not on cable. WWE announced last Tuesday that its flagship show was going to Netflix January of 2025. The deal is for 10 years and more than $5 billion, according to multiple reports. It's another move into the streaming space for the sports entertainment giant, which has its pay-per-view events, premium live events on uh, the Royal Rumble at WrestleMania, air live on Peacock. For Netflix, it's a major step towards live sports entertainment, and it has previously only dipped its toe into that area. Quote, we are excited to have WWE Raw with its huge uh, which it's huge and passionate multi-generational fan base on Netflix. Netflix chief content officer Bella Bajara told Variety. WWE will be able to deliver more joy and value for their audiences and our members. Raw is the best of sports entertainment, blending great characters and storytelling with live action 52 weeks a year. And we are thrilled to be in a long-term partnership with the WWE. Grew Raw currently airs on USA. Big bold move by the WWE. Do you like it? Love it. It's uh, it's brilliant for both sides uh, of this deal. Uh, and here's why: for WWE, um, they are going to pick up a whole new swarm of fans of people who have Netflix who aren't or who aren't familiar with uh, the WWE that much, but are always sitting there surfing Netflix and looking for stuff to watch, um, they'll get those. Plus, the fact that it's a year out is brilliant because I do predict that that 
uh, by next year, cable will be in the minority. It's already fading away now, and people think it's going to be around a lot longer than I think it'll be. I think uh, by you know by January of 2025, most people will be on to streaming. Um, so it's brilliant on that part. They're getting a fortune of money. On the other side, Netflix just gained basically every WWE fan who doesn't already subscribe to Netflix. So I don't see a downside for anybody in any capacity other than USA apparently loses its like top-rated program. Well, I guess uh, yeah, but you they're know. getting they're getting they're getting they're getting SmackDown. So it's kind of like they are? A, a one for one. Where you really need to work on your long-term and short-term memory. What I'm do you putting mean? you I'm getting you over here to New York. USA gets SmackDown. When was that announced? NXT is going. We've talked about it on the podcast. USA is getting SmackDown. That's not official. CW is. It is official. Are you sure? Okay, I'm lying. No, I don't. Evan, I don't think you're lying. I just haven't. I just haven't heard that. Okay. In that case, my last point is null and void. (laughs) I did not know that. Well, no, I mean. I agree with everything you said. I, I I think this is a brilliant move by all parties. Um, I really thought Amazon Prime was going to get raw. I, so did I thought I. with the with the with the Thursday night football package, I thought that would have been good synergy for live programming. The WWE Nikon has completely changed the game, the model for the WWE. They 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 were a live event touring company like like Barnum and Bailey circus. And now that they've moved to rights fees for their content, which have been just tremendous for all things to Andrew outline. Netflix goes into the live event game. They're basically going to have like a pay-per-view every week for WWE, the amount of money that they'll put into the product, uh, new director, new, new television people, new fresh ideas, uh, and again, Netflix, uh, I don't want to get into this long term, but Netflix feels like it's the market leader with streaming just feels that way. I don't I haven't read anything. It just feels like with all the new stuff that they've gotten a nice push over the last couple of months. And I, I think it's just uh, brilliant. The WWE has gotten so much money and they, you know, and I think even moving NXT to almost back to a third major brand. The money that the CW spent, it, they're just a wash in money. And um, I agree with you. I think streaming is the way that it's going to be. I think it really is here anyway. I agree with Andy. With we cut the cord on uh, on cable quite a couple of you know a couple of years ago. So um, yeah, I agree. I think it's a win win for all parties. And that dovetails me into Andrew just mentioned it. Following that news. Perhaps even bigger announcement for the WWE was Dwayne The Rock Johnson was named to the TKO Board of Directors while gaining full ownership of his The Rock name and entered into a new services and agreement, a new services and licensing agreement with the WWE. Um, this article says this really feels like the beginning now of the Nikon era in WWE. It's going to be bold. It's going to be international, big events, big names. The Rock joins the board of directors. It feels important on several levels. 
It feels like now the article goes on to say you have a former wrestler that does not have a McMahon last name that has a seat in the biggest table in sports entertainment for the first time. Implications for uh, Rock getting back into WWE, getting more involved with wrestling, perhaps this year and beyond. He has a new services and merchandise agreement and now has a bigger stake in the company's success. Again, he further teased a clash. Maybe WrestleMania, maybe another time with Roman Reigns during an appearance on Tuesday on ESPN's first take saying, quote, there's a chance that the two will have a match at WrestleMania. The ripple effects will be fascinating to watch. Gru, Dwayne The Rock Johnson takes a seat at the biggest table in sports entertainment. Thoughts? Well, it's hard to find any negatives here. Every, I mean, what you said is the, to me is the most important thing. You have a wrestler. A form, well, not a form, whatever. He is, he was one of the boys, and you have one of the boys at the true head of the table um, who can bring that perspective and a very powerful perspective because I don't see anybody saying no to Dwayne The Rock Johnson as far as, you know, I mean, he's, he's pretty much the biggest star in the world right now. Um, he's fallen a little bit, but this is going to uh, have big implications for him and his career. So just to play devil's advocate over one tiny issue, I'm going to ask your opinion. Do you think uh, that does this put the rock over triple H as far as like, does the rock now say uh, this is what we're going to do. I'm going to do this at mania. And then, and, and does triple H have to go with that? Like that, that's like, like, because Rock does kind of have a vanity problem, you know, I think, a little bit. I love him. He's the best there ever was uh, and is. But, you know, that that's my only little tiny concern. Will this – is Triple H giving up a little bit of the the creative thing that, that, that he has? That's my only uh, skepticism. Yeah, that's a – Actually, I'm really surprised Andrew's asking me for my opinion. No, oh, stop it. Here. <laughs> I serve it up for uh, that was low. That was low hanging fruit. And so <laughs> I know I think so. This um, I think it, it you know, um, I, I don't want the rock to play his hand and force something that doesn't feel to quote Gary Baba Bowie, organic <laughs> to the process with the WWE. So I don't think that's going to happen because I think Triple H has enough respect and I believe uh, The Rock, those guys go way back and I think they'll have a good working relationship. Um, so, uh, and again, he has a stake in the company. So I think he ultimately has to do what's in the best interest of the company, not himself. But I will acknowledge that that was my only criticism of the deal. Conversely, I, I mean, I think this is a, a great pl a play for The Rock because I, I think his career has started to flag. And yeah. he did this in 2013, 2012. He got back with the WWE and did Fast Five and sort of repositioned himself back on the top. So I think he always knows he has a set fan base yeah. in world wrestling entertainment. And he always has a set fan base Overall, so we have the Rock fans, and then of course the WWE from you know has a massive fan base. No matter how you how you cut it, my only other thought is I'm sorry. I'll just I'll just put myself over. I think this validates. I've said on our podcast he is the number one wrestler of all time, and I've said it for things outside of the ring. 
And I think this guy is just set. He has just set the standard as a guy who just, you know, left the ring and is just uh, elevated to heights. I mean, the guy, you know, he's got the tequila companies and he's got his hand in everything. He's a mogul. And so um, I I, uh, acknowledge your point about, you know, creatively. I think that's a little mini concern. But overall, I don't see it as a as a net loss for WWE and Dwayne The Rock Johnson at all. Me neither, and uh, I'm excited about it. Um, and yeah, it's uh, it's only good things because he's a, if nothing else, he is a, an excellent um, protector of brands and business. You know, he's he's kind he's been kind of squeaky clean. Not you know like I mean if 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 there was something there, they would have found it by now. You know, so it's like. I I have a really good and maybe that's why morale was didn't take such a hit after the shock of the Vince thing. I have expected uh, Rock to show up last night just because I thought that the WWE would say, you know what, today's what today was a bad day. We need some goodwill. No, I mean if you if you told me Triple H went down, I would say morale. If you told me Shawn Michaels went down, I'd say morale. If you told me. Even Bruce Pritchard, I might say, morale. Vince has been tangentially – I get it. He's the founder. But he's been so out of the loop, and we know he's, uh, about his wackiness and his bad choices for years now. So while it is a stunning fall from grace, I quote you. You weren't shocked at all. So That's I, not, why, but, would that affect, why would that affect Nia Jax? Why would that affect uh, L.A. Knight? I mean they still got to go it hasn't. In, a, in a job. It hasn't, but here, Excuse but me? my, it hasn't, but my concern okay. was before yesterday right, fine. was that it's not so much that it's Vince, it's that this stuff was going on within this company. So I thought that would, that would, and a lot of people think that, still think that that's going to put a stain on it. I don't. And I agree, and, and well, you agree I, with I, me. Yeah. I do because you know, Lance Storm, every wrestler now that has an axe to grind is going to come out and go on Steven Larson. And, you know, and again, when there's legit criticism, I'm all for it. But, you know, now you're going to get every Chris Jericho type that's going to want to go out there and, and, and stain. Now, my last point before I'd like to move on and talk a little Billy Joel. And I got, I got a lot of stuff. Replicant. First statement TKO came out with was hey, this predated the merger, and this predated Vince not being involved with, with our company. So the first thing they did was let everybody know, hey, we weren't involved. This predates our involvement with everybody. Does that absolve uh, not a criticism? Um, no, because criticism, is in, for most part, is an emotional thing and a matter of opinion, so to speak, I think. Uh, so, you know, if I looked at this kind of cold and calculated – they weren't even they weren't even involved, um, and so I think you know, actually now I think you know probably the leadership has to bring the talent in and let them know what's going on and let them know hey we still got people that we still have people to entertain and it's bus- yeah business as usual we got to go ahead and do what we need to do I mean that's just my take on yeah, it yeah the only problem is perception is reality but uh, just to just to end this I have one question for you. Um, does Triple H uh, address it uh, in the press conference after the Royal Rumble today? Only if he's asked specifically. Okay, asked and answered. Yeah, um, I had a point because you. I, um, 
Ah, okay. So here's my because because here's my last thing. You, I always think there's the WWE fan base, like an Andrew Guthius who goes to the shows and watches, and the internet, social media, wrestling community, and that's the same thing we've said for a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. They have a big voice, but they're not going to affect. They're not going to affect the fans who want to just go out there and, and, and enjoy it. And the the current people are sort of not involved and and and, and are guiltless. So you know what I mean. I mean, we see this in social media all the time. That has a big voice. But it doesn't really, it uh, you know, it's. I don't think it's going to impact the WWE. Now, provided somebody, you know, people who are with the WWE aren't involved, then you know, that's a that's a, I think a medium if. But yeah, you got to think guys. You got to think guys like Mushnick are 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 foaming at the mouth right now, uh, to like dig oh, for but, dig for know. stuff to kill because they they don't just hate Vince, they hate wrestling, and they always have. So, right, well, but again, that's an assumption that if the current team there was involved, but that's that as far as we know, that's that's yeah. not been even alleged nor nor proven. So, all right, grew another major focus of the nothing worthwhile neighborhood is William Martin Joel. Billy Joel grew will emerge from a 17 year recording hiatus February 1st with the release of Turn the Lights Back On. It was a press release. The song is, quote, classic Billy Joel style tune embodying the hallmarks of his signature sound and ushering in the next chapter of his story. <clears throat> Turn the lights back on. Grew is produced by Freddie Wexler, who has worked with everyone from Ariana Grande to Selena Gomez and Celine Dion. Uh, uh, Billy has a quarter writing credit on it. It's written by Wexler, Arthur Bacon, Arthur Eggs and Bacon, <laughs> Wayne, Hector, and Joel. Uh, Billy Joel Groove first hinted that new material might be coming late last year during a show at MSG. Quote, I have good news and I have bad news, he said. I'll give you the bad news first. Please. We don't have anything new. We don't have anything new to play. News is you don't have to sit through something you have no idea what it is. <laughs> Although we, we got a little something we're working on, you might hear sometime. And then the bass player goes, <laughs> I don't even know. I know the guy's from like Australia. Yeah. Uh, oh, it's not Biberty Mavito? Um, yeah. <laughs> Liberty Biberty. Uh, Grill is last pop. His last pop record was 1993's River of Dreams. Of course, we referenced uh, Famous Last Words, which is the last track on river of dreams grill billy is still a touring giant uh we got new singles in 2007 releasing uh all my life and christmas in fallujah uh, all my life kind of a sinatras kind of cut in christmas and fallujah led zeppelin-y kind of thing that i kind of liked a little bit in 2019 grew billy w- interviewed with rolling stone and he said quote i still write music i just don't record it they're not in song form it's another kind of music altogether. It's purely from my own edification. I don't feel compelled to record it. I don't feel compelled to make myself be relevant. Like I said, I've lived the rock and roll life. I'm not writing that anymore. I have a lot of music that no one's ever heard and no one may ever hear if I don't decide to do something with it. It's really about the creative process that's important to me, not about having records on the charts or selling a lot of recordings. Grew Billy's playing a series of one-night-only shows with Sting at U.S. stadiums throughout the year. 
And July 25th, he'll wrap up his monthly MSG Madison Square Garden residency after a decade-long run. We may talk about Billy in the future, but Gru, thoughts on the return of Billy Joel? Well, you and I look at Billy through two lenses. We look at him uh, one yes, through. That is, by the way, I want to give you credit. Absolutely. Yes, we look at we look at the live performer and we look at the the song singer songwriter. So, as a fan of Billy Joel, the singer songwriter, I'm very excited. I'm excited to hear any anything. But this kind of validates like what I've been saying or what we've been saying for a while. Like. Why not just, you know, you don't have to put out albums anymore. You got something you're working on that might sound, let us hear it. Let the fans hear it. If they don't like it, so don't play it in concert. Nobody cares. You know, you don't need it for the money. You don't need it for the charts. Has any, does anybody even look at Billboard any board, uh, anymore? No. no. There's no competition. No. Once you're at a certain no. level, there is no more competition. So show us what you're working on. So I am, I am, uh, uh, the only thing that bums me, like four writers, like the the only guy he ever really uh, wrote a song with was Beethoven. <laughs> I mean, if you think about no, it, right? Uh, right? Well, no, 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 no. Factually, you are incorrect. He, really? There is one. There is one artist that has a co-writing credit with Billy Joel. Who? Do you know who that is? I'm gonna. All right, I'll take a guess. Uh, Cindy Lauper. You absolutely. I was gonna say you've referenced the song before. Isn't it a kind code of, of silence? Yeah. To be living by code. But you know. Of but you want to know why I know that? You really and it's got not a because lot to say. the reason that I know that, and and this is gonna upset you. The reason that I know that is not because what? I know Cindy Lauper sang the song with him. I figured it was just a you know a a, a vocal collaboration. Because yesterday I was listening to Billy Joel radio, and Billy Joel was actually talking about. Like he couldn't figure out what the song was about, and Cindy Lauper helped him do that, so and they wrote it together. That, nothing, nothing at all, oh. nothing at all. But okay. like, but like Billy Joel's first first single in I don't count Christmas and Fallujah and that whatever thing was. This seems like it's a Billy Joel song. So I'm going back to '93 now. Uh, Billy Joel's the right. So I, I'm just maybe it, maybe it's a maybe it's a royalty thing. Maybe it's I'm hoping the words and music were by Billy Joel and Billy Joel alone. That's what I'm hopeful for. But you know what? Who am I to nitpick? We're getting a new song from Billy Joel after all these years. Maybe it'll lead to more. Nothing but nothing but positives uh, in there. No negatives whatsoever. What? <laughs> 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 My thoughts are pretty much the same as yours. I am slightly, slightly ponderous of the co of the quarter writing credit too, and I'm slightly ponderous of the the producer choice who's really worked with top artists. Um, but then I thought about like when Bon Jovi made that big return with Crush, they worked with like some guy who did uh, Britney Spears. So you know, I'm, I'm I'm hopeful. I like that the ER. These, you know, harkens back to the classic Billy Joel sound. So I've said a lot. I'll take a sip of my Pellegrino, but I, I agree. You know, if there's as a hardcore Billy Joel fan, um, looking at some of the notes, I'm taking a little bit of pause. But yes, overall, when we texted with our friend Hasselbine, overall, my opinion is of you. Billy Joel's putting something new out. I'm excited. I'm interested. Am I a little like, well, let's see what it is in terms of creative quality or in my opinion quality sure but overall i'm very excited that billy joel is putting out something new yes okay and while you while you sip your pellegrino 
Um, I have a question for you. I'm not as familiar with those other two songs. With I, I have heard them a couple times, but you know nothing more than that. Uh, Christmas and Fallujah, and what was the other one? The Sinatra esque type type song. All, all my life. Okay, so yeah, let me ask you a life. question. A quick question about both of those two songs. Do you think that those two songs lyrically are like Billy Joel songs? Like, is is that a window into him? Like River of Dreams was like like. Like the like those kinds of songs, uh, you know the lyrics. I don't, so I'm asking you your thoughts. And 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 you know what? The, all right, go ahead. Do you have an answer? All my life is a tin panty. It's a, it's a it's a bridge. It's a big man. It's a Sinatra esque. It's sort of a love song, uh, an ode to Katie Lee Joel, who was his very young wife at the time, and uh, we know how how that worked out. <laughs> but that shouldn't really affect the song. So. It's uh, you know, it's a glossy love song, uh, a lot of production, Streisand esque, to quote Craig Hassenbein. So no, I didn't, I don't really care for it. If I hear it, I'll listen to it a little okay. bit. Uh, Christmas, Christmas in Fallujah was a little bit more. It's a little bit more Goodnight Saigonish. It's a political sort of song, and the original track was sung by a younger singer, a guy by the name of Cass Dillon, who's pretty big out in new york mm-hmm. who was dating his uh, daughter uh, alexa ray joel at the time <laughs> billy's single he sang it live and so it's it's a it's a, a little bit derivative of led zeppelin it's got the jangly guitars and sort of the egyptian kind of background stuff i like that a little bit more um great billy joel stuff no not on par with River, but at the time, you know, being a Billy Joel fan, I, I was just like, oh, something, something different to listen to. Okay, good because two things about what the little, the very little we know about this song is one, it sounds like a Billy Joel song. Okay, all we hear is okay. some piano chords, but they're Billy Joel yes. piano chords. Number one, and number two, the title of the song and the small snippet of lyrics we've seen, he sounds like he's addressing. All of the questions that we've had over the years. Did I wait too long to turn the light back on? That's what it seems that this song is about. So that's what I want. I don't want a save the world song. I don't want a save the whales song. I don't I want I want uh all for Lena. I want I want that kind of writing that's telling me, that's giving me a window into the singer. And especially someone like Billy Joel, that's what, and that's what it seems like we're getting with this. So I'm excited about it. Yeah, good point. Because my take on it was turn the lights back on. I think is is going to be now maybe a little bit different in similar vein, but I think turn the lights back on to me was maybe a creative and a personal rebirth because maybe now he's even at his advanced age finally happy. He's got the the younger wife. He's got the two young kids. Maybe his legacy is solid. That that was my take. That maybe the lights are. I'm. I'm. I have a rebirth, so to speak. That was my take on it. Though I like to hear what you said as well. And an interesting thought that just popped into my head: Could this rebirth of interest in writing songs be connected to his withdrawal from touring or from performing on well, stage? The timing is pretty interesting, Evan. I gotta say. Well, listen. I'm not going to read. I'm not going to read into it more than one song. Uh, obviously, I'm hoping you know, like Andy is. He's not. Re- I mean, he's doing these one-off shows. So you know, Billy. One thing about Billy or his management—they're smart. 
he kind of set the standard with the residency. Now, bef- pop stars and rock stars had done residencies before before Billy Joel announced it in 2014. Right. But nobody did to the massive scale like Billy did with MSG. Then you saw a lot of the big names do Vegas and do these schmazes. Now he's doing which you haven't really seen yet in the classic rock realm, these big nostalgia-driven with other artists. He announced now he's apparently doing a show in Cleveland with Rod Stewart. Uh, So, you know, it's Sting, it's Rod Stewart. Not a lot of synergy. Don't know if 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 the two acts will play together or something like that. I think maybe you'll get something with Sting. I don't know about Rod Stewart. That's for another debate, maybe the next podcast. But anyway, you know, he seems to have, he's always kind of setting the market where he's getting out there and he's making massive amounts of money anyway. Yes, I mean, I agree with you, Gru. The touring, he's not going to be a touring giant anymore in the sense of a lot of dates. He's not the Grateful Dead, but he's going to pick his shows and they'll be pretty massive. He'll, they'll go baseball parks, which he can easily sell out with the Sting and a Rod Stewart and a Stevie Nicks. Right, and but that's my point because now he's basically got one show every three or four months instead of one every three or four weeks, which was the Garden thing. So could okay. this be connected? He might want more time to, you know, screw the family. Um, write music, <laughs> you know, maybe, maybe there's a connection. I'm just thinking positively, you know, and, and by the way, if, um, Billy Joel and Rod Stewart were coming to South Florida, I would absolutely go. Cause Rod Stewart is on my bucket list. I really want to see All Rod right. Stewart once. So I hope that he does more, but I, but I think you're right. I think it's just going to be wherever and whoever, you know, whoever's available. Exactly. <laughs> That's what it seems like. <laughs> It's like Hello, Billy Joel and Hello. Billy Joel and John Popper in in uh, Hello, Sacramento. Uh, Iron Maiden, uh, Judas Priest. Are you? <laughs> you love Billy. Billy Joel yeah, and Robert man. Rob Alford, or is that his name from uh, yeah. from uh, from yeah. Judas Priest or Iron Maiden? Yeah, whatever. Right. I don't know. <laughs> you got another thing coming. Uh, well, yeah, I just saw that with the uh, with the Rod Stewart announcement. So. All right, Andrew, uh, that was real interesting stuff. Before you and I give our thoughts on the 2024 Royal Rumble and Jean-Claude Van Damme in 2001's Replicant, let's check out. we got a couple of items, latest news on our favorite 80s action stars. It's time for Van Damme it, spanning the universe. Van Damme it, spanning the universe. Yo! All right, my friend, Gruce, Spanning the Universe is brought to you by New Life Center. Begin a new you. Check out all of their wonderful laser treatments at www.newlifecenters.com or give them a call at 602-274-0068. The whole family, they're getting prepped for the big wedding in March. Everyone's getting lasered and tucked and nipped. and uh, So uh, tell Moody and Gruce sent you and receive a big 15% off your first service. New Life Center, restore your youthfulness with confidence Get that new you free consultation, customized services, feel good in an oh-so-stress-free environment. That's New You Life Center. I'll actually be in South Florida with Dandy for a good week. Maybe we'll get a show or two in while I'm down there. We'll talk hey about that a little bit more as we, oh, get, we, as we get closer. It's cool in there. Uh, Grew the Terminator, Arnold Schwarzenegger, was back in the news last Thursday. Really? Arnold attended an auction in Kitzbutzel, Austria, on Thursday, where he auctioned off a luxury watch that he reportedly failed to declare the prior Wednesday at a Munich airport, leading him to be briefly detained. 
Schwarzenegger, 76, kicked off the auction with a stand-up comedy routine about the incident, saying, I mean, we always start things off with a lot of drama. That's what we saw yesterday. I mean, can you believe it? All of a sudden, I was in handcuffs. Uh, The former governor of California told attendees that the cuffs weren't because of a watch or the customs office, but from a hot night with his girlfriend, Heather Milligan, 48 years old. Oh, well, good for you, Arnold. Good for you. Uh, Vince McMahon's calling. Uh, It's unbelievable. (laughs) No. (laughs) But seriously, the woman in the customs office said, if you don't behave, I'm going to put you in handcuffs. Uh, Schwarzenegger proceeded to rave about the very special $100,000 Audemars Piguet. I guess that's the watch that was in his luggage and was up for auction and claimed custom agents also searched his bag for a second time piece. He couldn't find it because I was hiding it. And I can't tell you where it was because (laughs) (laughs) Uh, the whole dramatic experience was seemingly worth it um, as the watch reportedly sold grew for $293,000. So that's a nice upcharge. An insider told uh, page six that the former bodybuilder was never asked to fill out a declaration form. And he answered every question from the customs officers. Honestly, he cooperated at every step, even though it was quote, an incompetent shakedown. Arnold did indicate that he would prepay potential taxes on the watch Grew, I don't know, a cute little news item about Arnold back in the news for something other than film. Well, it's, you know, I was just thinking, it's like if you made a list, if you had to make a list of the 10 most fascinating pop culture people in the history of time, I believe Arnold Schwarzenegger would crack the top five. This guy can turn, this guy can turn anything into gold and by pop culture like i i mean there's negative there too there's negative with everybody you know of he course, has but but he has ways of rebounding with different kinds of positivity and just like an optimism that you just don't see and like he gets detained at an Austrian airport. Like, you know, imagine that happened to like uh, Gwyneth Paltrow. She'd be like crying and suing for, you know, for de- you know defamation. <laughs> and then, uh, and Arnold's turning it into into gold, and he's turning it into two hundred and fifty thousand dollars for charity. The guy is a fucking icon of icons. Like, he, like that just proves it. So, you know, I don't I, I don't really even care about the story. It's just another thing that Schwarzenegger just looks at from a perspective of what can I do with this to make people smile? And that I just I just love the guy just just for that. You know, I, I don't know, man. It's just think about uh, isn't he amazing. Isn't this guy freaking amazing? It, well, he's a, he's listen. He's a fascinating public speaker. I've listened to many of his speeches on YouTube. He's a fascinating public speaker, and he's really a self-made, and in many ways, he is an American success story. And um, it, it, it shows you, I still believe in the greatness of this country. Yeah. And- Personification of that. And, um, you know, uh, listen, I've also, you know, I'm a guy, uh, I'm 53 now, but, I'm, you know, I, I like the workouts. You know, I, I love all that stuff. I love all that stuff that he touts. And, uh, yeah, you know, I love the, uh, I can't tell you where the watch is because I can't <laughs> sit down now. Like, you know, just a little. He's amazing. Little but I guess he can get away with it in yeah. 2024 and good yeah. for him. And so, I'm happy to and say, and I'm you know proud what, Andrew, to say, uh, wait, oh, wait, are you moving on? 
No, no, I'm proud. I, I oh. agree with you. I think, uh, you know, top five, top ten, you know, I, that's for another debate. But he is definitely a fascinating yeah. man, and will his legacy is 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 a mammoth one. Yeah, proud to say I voted for him for governor when I was living in uh, California. But uh, yeah, he's 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 something else. You know, they're they're coming out with this Terminator anime, and they they put like a thirty second trailer on. Netflix, and they've really not said much. And I'm very actually, I'm not a cartoon guy, but I'm very excited for for this because the one or two articles I have read is uh, not really perhaps a reboot of of Terminator, but uh, another avenue to go similar to Alien Romulus. You know, you're going to move away from the core yes. story and get you know extend the universe that way. And so I'm really looking forward to it. And uh, they've it's a it teaser with 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 just the Terminator logo basically on the screen with the Terminator music in the background and that that's it they haven't given a date yet um, so very much looking but forward. you're right yeah you're right it's a great idea because every time they go back to the well of feature movie it yeah. just doesn't work yeah, yeah. I mean you know you can yeah. like and dislike different than me but this is something in a completely new direction and I got to tell you. If you ask diehard Star Wars fans who are pretty much on the same level of us with Terminator, if you ask them what's the best content that Star Wars has produced since, let's say, the prequels, okay, which get a lot of love these days, they will say the cartoons, the Clone Wars, the Rebels, they, they know that yeah. stuff back and forth. And, and so Disney kind of got ahead of that with Star Wars, and they they did some cool things with it, so... Why not Terminator follow suit? And to go anime, anime's got a, an insane cult following. So that's yes. built That's built in. So this is uh, th- this will be extremely interesting. Very excited about it. Well, Gru, uh, according to sci-fi.com, the cast of Demolition Man was almost entirely different. We know that the 1993 sci-fi action hit was a Stallone-Wesley Stipes movie through and through. Uh, but before Stallone and Snipes signed on as leads in the film, Warner Brothers apparently had two other action movie heavy hitters in time, uh, in mind. Excuse me. Speaking to MTV in 2008, Jean-Claude Van Damme revealed that he was once approached by, about the project, albeit with a different version of the script, to co-star as the villain alongside Steven Seagal. Quoting Jean-Claude, years ago it was proposed that I would do a film with Steven Seagal. I was supposed to be in Demolition Man with him. It was a great project. The script I read was a lot different than the one Sly did with Wesley Snipes. I was a bad guy. Seagal was the good guy. Uh, the article goes on to say that Van Damme did not go into any more detail about the plot differences. And obviously the studio grew, eventually went the other way and partnered up with Stallone for the film. But the article goes on to muse. It would have been fascinating to see two other uh, action movie heavies and two off-screen rivals get into it in the big screen fight. Grew Demolition Man with Jean Claude and Stevie. Well, um, let's see. I think that Demolition Man is a very well-written movie, and it's not a movie that needed Sylvester Stallone. I think loved it though. Loved it though. Yes, Stallone. but loved it. yes, but here's the thing. And, and, you know, I'm curious to what you think about this. Go ahead. If you put 
Jean-Claude Van Damme in that role, in the Stallone role, not the not the villain. That, to me, is the kind of movie that Van Damme needed at that time. Agreed. And he would have gone, his career would have gone in a much better direction. It would have forced him to stretch his his comedic muscles, and it was a good director, a good script, a good premise, a great cast around him, and... I almost wish that he would have been in that part because it's not it, it's a good movie, but it's not it, if you ask me like as a Stallone fan is that in my is that anywhere near my top? No, I would have I would rather have seen um, Van Damme in that. Seagal, no, Seagal is Seagal's not a two hander guy. Seagal doesn't share the screen, so I would uh, I'm not surprised that didn't that that didn't happen. But that's my take on that. Interesting, interesting. Uh, I agree with you. Um, I'm, I'm glad it was Stallone. I agree with you because I think John Claude. If there's one thing this podcast has taught me, is John Claude is best as the dewy-eyed, back up against the wall hero that's always beaten with an inch with, within his life and blood dripping out his nose, and somehow finds the inner strength and um i'll talk about that in reference to replicant in a little bit so i agree i think jean claude could have pulled it off to your point about not being in the top five or ten in stallone movies i agree with you but i thought this was i and again um not to get off track but i think this was sort of a mild comeback for stallone for some reason i'm thinking when i went to the theater he had been he'd been out of it for a while and i remember Really super enjoying this. Um, here, the, the you know, Demolition Man to me is just like a meal at Taco Bell. Uh, <laughs> it's it's fun. It's it goes delicious. right through you. Um, it's it well maybe, and it's definitely maybe not good for me and not uh, nutritionally uh, dense. But you know, there's nothing better at two o'clock in the morning than you know a chicken quesadilla and, and a cherry Pepsi. So I liked Demolition Man for those factors um i loved uh snipes i loved him i loved the comedic uh the you know rob schneider was phenomenal as that little snarky sidekick sandra bullock yeah it's not a great movie but uh, it's a fun action movie and that's what i like yeah i think i think what i meant by you know my long-winded comments was was that no but here's here's what here's what i think i meant i think i i meant that Demolition Man would have served Van Damme better than it served Stallone. Does that make sense? I think Stallone uh, has. That, the, I think that, Stallone has the same trajectory with or without it. Okay. Um, I I don't know if I agree with that statement, but I think this would have fell. This would have been a better. This would have been a good project. I think Jean Claude could have pulled it off. Whether yes. okay. I'll save the Stallone the Stallone versus Van Damme argument for another time. But I think Jean Claude could have pulled it could have pulled it off. All right, Gru, uh every time we do a span in the universe, I include a pro wrestling item. Uh we've talked a lot about the WWE, but let me get your thoughts. Vice TV actually Vice TV is going through some hard times right now. They had massive cuts, but they have the Dark Side franchise. That's like one of our favorite uh, and of course, one of our favorites being pro wrestling based dark side of the ring. Well, we've got a confirmed fifth season and now the topics for the show have been un- unveiled per the wrestling observer newsletter grew upcoming episodes for the new season of dark side of the ring are set to cover the following Brutus, the barber beefcake, Harley race, buff Bagwell, Kurt angle, 
Chris Adams, ECW's The Sandman, and of course, the event known as Black Saturday when Vince McMahon purchased Georgia Championship Wrestling in 1984 to secure a TBS time slot for the northern-based WWF. Grew, Dark Side of the Ring, Season 5, do those topics tickle your fancy? All but one. I'm not really interested in Bagwell. Um, but all oh, of- he's got such a... Such a interesting. Oh my God! Does the guy's been a train wreck. Oh yeah. Well, I mean, train wreck. Yeah, yeah. but you know, I, I don't. I never respected him enough as a wrestler to to really um, be affected by um, things that he went through on a wrestling level. Um, I just never liked him. Um, I'm just not that interested in his backstory. Okay, but uh, the other ones, especially. The one that I know the least about, and that is Black Saturday. I'm looking forward to that one. I'm I. The more I find out, from, mostly from like you and Craig, because you guys were about five years ahead of me in the, in, remember, the, in the in the early I, wrestling days. So I, when when I hear you guys talking about that, like I feel like I missed something. So that's why these ones, like Tales from the Territories, I loved for that re- same reason. So this one is kind of like that to me. So here, you know, I agree. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Vice TV does a great job with this stuff. Uh, Buff Bagwell, I will find interesting. I, listen, I wasn't a Buff Bagwell fan, but he was a major part of WCW, that that Monday Night Wars run. And then his match with Booker T on Raw, when they when they did the one, they did the, they, they tested out the WCW. They were going to put, they were going to do Nitro. They were going to bring Nitro back, and so they yeah. they brought in uh, two different announcers for one match on Raw under the WCW banner, and it was so bad. They fired Bagwell, I guess, on the spot after that match, and he's had up and downs with drugs and all the stuff that we like to see. All I'll say about Black Saturday is I watched that live on TBS. And I was pissed because I was a WWF fan, but I also loved Georgia Championship Wrestling, and I wanted to see my Tommy Rich and Buzz Sawyer and Dusty Rhodes. And uh, but anyway, um, I'm looking forward to uh, I'm looking forward to Vice and uh, season five. Is yes. there is there a subject that they haven't covered yet that you'd be interested in hearing about? I'd have to give that thought. Um, Me too. They, they I've. I've they have articles about potential topics. Um, I, I'd have to really give that thought, but yeah, I'm sure there's definitely, I'm sure there's definitely one or two for sure that 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 they have not covered. I mean, wrestling is so rich with that kind of with that kind of stuff. Yeah, so, uh, and they did promote, and I know it's not Vice, but uh, some new content from WWE. Uh, on Peacock. I don't know that the interesting thing about being at SmackDown what? is what? What's the matter? No, what did they? Uh, I'm, uh, no, well, that's the thing because the interesting thing about being in the building live is they do a lot more interactive stuff between during the commercials. Like they're starting right. to do, like the wrestlers are now going out of the ring and being like in touch with the ringside fans during the commercials instead of just standing in the ring awkwardly. Um, and on the screens. They're showing promos of things, so we don't really know when they're back on the air or not. So, so they aired something last night that was a promo for a new series called Evil on uh, on WWE not, Network. Not new. Not That's new. Probably going to be a season. Oh, all right, new season, season, new one. season. 
Yeah, so right. so they showed some, <laughs> believe it or not, they showed some very interesting names, starting with Paul Heyman, but, you know, uh, Hogan was on there, and believe it or not, they dared to show Vince McMahon on there last night. It was probably a mistake. Okay, so... But uh, but so, wait, so who were the topics? Because they've covered Hogan. Season one covered Hogan in the NWO. So I don't know if this is a season two or I they think just that it, looked, it might. Yeah, it, they didn't say exactly what topics. They just showed snippets of a lot of a lot of a lot of things. I didn't right. know. I didn't know it was an old series. But but in any case, that uh, but also there was another documentary that they were. Uh, no no no. They um, Cody Rhodes on the uh, Broken Skull. Uh, Steve Austin. Uh, that's already on there, though. That's already it is? on there. Oh God, you're way ahead of yeah. me, man. Jeez, <laughs> I was I was like, wow! Oh my God! Look at that! Well, they haven't really <laughs> they haven't really put out a lot of new stuff. The last two things they did was Vladimir the super fan. I love that. That, that was, was great. They did a thing which um, was pretty touching. It was with Braun Strowman. He lives in uh, like Wisconsin, and that was a. Uh, they had a death of a dub of a young kid who was a WWE fan. It was in a parade. Oh, it I was heard about covered. This. The guy was nuts, and he drove his car full speed right into the the parade, and he ended up killing, I think, two people. And one of them, this kid, was a WWE super fan. So Braun has done a lot of charities and things with the family. It was overall very sad, but you know, touching that um, he really got hands on with the family and really tried to. Help as best he can. So uh, anyway, yeah. see if I'm vice, uh, if I'm vice, I'm I'm like continuing to push this thing in the hope of getting bought out by WWE. You know what I mean? Yeah, because uh, yeah, because uh, I think they've had significant cuts and um, things of that nature. But their dark side series, I think, for most people, uh, is the uh, is the highlight. Yeah, I, it's, I, it's I enjoy definitely the flagship. The dark side. I definitely I enjoy the comedy one as well. Uh, the comedy one. Sometimes the comedy ones are even more interesting Depressing. than the wrestling ones, to be honest yeah, with you. So, no shit. Yeah. All right, Gru. Today's uh, Van Dammit podcast, 2024 Royal Rumble predictions and 2001 Jean-Claude Van Dammit replicant. It's brought to you by New Life Center. Meet the new you team at www.newlifecenters.com. You can check out their photos and biographies of the team. Marie, Dr. Cynthia, Erica, Brian, Shelby, and the rest of the new staff on their new you website. You can follow New You Life Center on Instagram at New You Life Center to take advantage of their specials and monthly giveaway. Check out all of their medical weight loss programs or give them a call at 602-274-0068. Tell them that Moody and Gru sent you and receive a big 15% off your first service. Oop, I just scrolled ahead. New Life Center, Phoenix Premier Med Spa for Botox, fillers, lasers, aesthetics, weight loss, and hormone optimization. A big Van Dammit. Thank you to New Life Center. Uh, clearly, Vince McMahon doesn't need any more hormone optimization. Yeah. He's 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 yeah. hor- he's he's, hor- he's horny like he's, a little minky. He's hormone. Uh, we could join. We could- <laughs> yeah, we're beyond. We're like Schwarzenegger. We're like we're like Schwarzenegger. We're beyond cancellation at this point. <laughs> I'm uh, I'm the genetic jackhammer. Uh, Gru, uh, there is really scant information on 2001 Replicant Jean Claude. Uh, Replicant was released on September 18, 2001. Replicant is in the action sci-fi thriller genre. Replicant has a runtime of 140 minutes. It's directed by Ringo Lamb. Fans of Jean-Claude should recognize Ringo Lamb as he has directed three of Jean-Claude's films. Uh, 
Maximum Risk, Replicant, and 2003 aptly titled In Hell. <laughs> I'm laughing. I'm laughing at you. I'm laughing the way you did that. I'm not laughing to, at I the... don't know how to. I don't know how to read into that. Like you know, Ringo Lamb and Jean Claude In Hell. Because unfortunately, I don't feel there's a basis of success that would that would necessitate this. This partnership, partnership. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I don't. Scorsese and De Niro, you know, they are not that. Let's let's say I mean, that. <laughs> I, I certainly did not like Maximum Risk. Uh, I did not like it at all. Did we do um, Maximum Risk? Yes, we did. That's how great yes, it was. I, I, you know, I. <laughs> um. Yeah, uh, and the 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 uh, well, in hell at least has an, an interesting title. I'm curious. Based on that title alone, I'm curious to see what it's about. I mean, we'll watch it. We'll yeah, watch I'm sure. It. I know we will. So, uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. At least discovering it. But um, yeah, I don't, uh, I don't see that uh, this, this, you know, uh, Ringo Jean Claude uh, partnership is is like one to be like rivaled with. Like, uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I said uh, Scorsese, De Niro, and I'm sure there are other ones out there that I'm that are just blanking on. But I think it's pure coincidence. But you know what? Honestly, sometimes directors and actors, they enjoy working together. Uh, and it's possible like Van Damme at this point in his career was basically, he's probably listed as a producer on this thing. So guys like him, whose names are above the title, they have a lot of say in who the director is going to be that's hired. And so if Jean-Claude Van Damme has a director that he likes to work with, probably because the director gives him carte blanche, He'll say, "Okay, I will do this movie, but Ringo must direct." And uh, you know, that's absolutely something Stallone has done. It's something Schwarzenegger's done. It's, it's something all our people have done. So, because uh, they like to have a lot of control, and they've earned it. So, uh, so you know, I don't, I don't read too much into into that. Agree. Uh, the cast of Replicant: John Claude Van Damme as Replicant, the Torch. Mm-hmm. Uh, Michael Rooker as Detective Jake Riley, Catherine Dent as Angie, and James Hudson as Snotty Concierge. <laughs> is that what it actually James says? Hudson. Is that what is yes. that what the credit snotty. is actually? Snotty Concierge. You couldn't yes. even give him a name, huh? <laughs> uh, uh, the plot of the film grew. Jake Riley is working on the Torch Case, a psycho serial killer who kills women with kids and sets them on fire after they are dead. The killer calls Riley sometimes, and now that Riley retires, the killer has no person to play against anymore. The NSA comes into play here and offers a job to Riley. A replicant or a clone of the killer is created that should help him find the real one as a kind of test if this would work out. Now Riley's back on track with a clone of the killer at his hand on a way to discover that nobody is born as a murderer. Yeah. Mm. Um, the Deep. budget for Replicant grew. Was the, Wasn't it based the by, his, for, uh, by a book by George Orwell? <laughs> well, I will say that there's an interesting sci-fi story here. There certainly is. I mean, it, um, and I'll get to that as, you know, when I give my final thoughts, on the movie, but here's one thing, the, but I was I'm a little bit surprised. The budget was listed for seventeen million for replicant. Does this movie look like a seventeen million dollar film to you? No, actually it looks more expensive. I really yes, I really thought 
you know, looking at the trailer and then watching the movie, it's obvious that more money was spent on having the movie look the way it looked good as opposed to uh, a good writer. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't want to get, I don't want to give too much away of my final thoughts, but no, I thought it looked like, and, and I attribute that to Van Damme was sort of lowered a little bit. He wasn't quite red hot at this point. So maybe it's his salary that cut into that, but I don't know, but it looks, it looks like to me, it looks more than 17, uh, 17 million on the screen. Wow. You're, I'm you're, really surprised. You, you think it's, well, I just feel like. Like that scene with the replicant where he comes out of the cocoon and like, like you know like like jelly goo all over him and you know Van Damme's you know uh, you know like coming I I don't know it it, it, it looked I mean, the, maybe maybe not the actual the edits it just it looked it looked it looked like it was like slapped together and it didn't feel like a seventeen million dollar film although. Would you say in two thousand one, what would seventeen million get you in two thousand one? Is that a decent budget for back um, then? No, in two thousand one, that would still be considered lower budget. But I would say seventeen okay. seventeen million would translate to probably double that today. Uh, you know, thirty four, thirty five. Um, that's what I think. But you know, have I've been removed from that business for a while, so I really don't know. But the movie looks good I, and to me. I, I like the way it looks, and that what you described didn't bother bother me so much because uh, when I when I watched it, I was like, okay, they're trying to do the same thing as the Terminator and Alien, but they're but they got to figure out a way to do it differently enough. And so I was looking at it that way, not like it looks weird and cheap. It looks different than you know people than movies that have done the same thing before. So I didn't mind that uh, so much. Uh, Gru, you want to queue up? Are you ready for some uh, nothing worthwhile movie fun facts? You are ready to go. I'm ready? Yeah. All right. Uh, Gru, this is Jean-Claude oh, wait. Hold Van Damme. On. Hold on. Hold on. Where Colin got it right. Where Colin got it wrong. Okay, now you go. <laughs> All right, Gru. Uh, movie fun facts. Gru, this is Jean-Claude Van Damme's fourth film in which he plays a dual role after Double Impact, 1991, Time Cop, 1994, Maximum Risk, 1996. And that's a pretty unique statistic. Yeah, but, uh, I mean, I guess he likes working with himself. So, that's fine. Uh, I don't. Uh, I don't always think it's necessary, and it's funny because sometimes when I think it's necessary, they don't do it. Um, and I'll give you the perfect example: uh, Terminator Two. I felt it should have been Arnold versus Arnold. Hot take, bad take. It's, it, no, that's it. Because Robert Patrick created I, a hell of a villain there, but he sure I, did. Sure did. Um, I always think of like when, when you talk about the dual role. I always think of Ray Liotta in that Sopranos. Um, it was like uh, the one brother had his hair pushed forward. Oh and yeah, the one brother had his hair. <laughs> yeah, that's that's all they did. Yeah, uh, I know. One brother had yeah, his hair. Yeah, they really went. Back. They really went to great lengths for that. But hey, look, yeah, uh, uh, it it works for the story, and in Van Damme's case, for better or worse, it does. So, well, I will say this: looking at those four films, 
the the one where I felt like he pulled it off the best was the first one, Double Impact. I said it on I'll the agree podcast. With you. Thank you. Okay, good. Appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> Groove for Replicant. I, this is came off of I, IMDb website. Uh, James Woods and Jennifer Lopez were supposed to appear in this movie. I'm assuming J Lo plays the good guy. I, I, any thoughts on perhaps James Woods and J Lo being in Replicant? Um, what roles would they have <laughs> played? I don't know. I'm assuming would James Woods have played the Michael Rooker part? It sort of makes sense. I mean, J Lo was was a name back in 2001. Yes, right? she, she did that uh, out of sight. Money train, money train. Yeah, with, she did uh, that with Snipes and Woody. Yep. Woody yeah, she did uh, out of sight with Clooney. So she was, uh, and she was already a pop star. So, and she would have been who in this movie? I don't know. Maybe she would have been the the, the torch replicant character. I don't know. But I don't know. James Woods probably would have worked. The prostitute. Better. Maybe that would have been nice. Um, James Woods probably would have been better. <laughs> A, a better choice than Michael Rooker, and I say that as a huge fan of Michael Rooker. Believe it or not, when I saw Michael Rooker, at, like I didn't know he was in in the movie until I saw him. I think his credit didn't come until because he's right in the beginning. I'm like, ah, all right, I love this guy. This guy's great, but he's a great character actor. He can't carry a movie, and. That's that. That was the problem here. James Woods can, and really, if you think about it, the main character, the lead of this movie, is Michael Rooker, not John Claude Van Damme, and uh, so that um, you know it gives a and little. I agree preview. with you there. Uh, but so I think Woods would have worked. I don't know where they would have fit in uh, J Lo, but hey, more J Lo, I'll take it. <laughs> Um, speaking of Michael Rooker, uh, there is a note here that says Michael Rooker plays a serial killer in Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. That was a, a movie in 1986, years before playing the cop chasing the serial killer in Replicant. And I, I just put in my notes, I do like Michael Rooker, but I've never seen Henry, Portrait of a Serial Killer. And you have referenced uh, your fandom for Michael Rooker. And I agree with you, generally speaking, um, Tough for him to pull off leading a movie. Yeah, he's kind of too serious, especially in this one. Um, and but he's he's also got to be given good writing. And like, let me ask you a question: uh, Did he retire from um, the FBI and then get pulled back into it that afternoon? Because that's what it seemed like. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I don't. Was he FBI? I thought he was just local. Or whatever, whatever it was, he retired. And then he's at his retirement party and literally gets the phone call and then turn the page of the script and he's knee deep into this uh, in, into the replicant thing, you know? Well, I think actually it's even earlier. I think they the two guys meet him outside after the opening fight scene. Yes, where, but uh, then it's the when the kill. Away. But then it's when uh, the torch calls him at his retirement party. That's when he's like, okay, I'm back in, or I'm or I'm signing up with these guys, you know. You know, my biggest take my biggest take on that opening fight scene was Michael Rooker is very sweaty. <laughs> they like have these like just covered in water, like he's yeah, I know. constantly anyway, a funny I thought a funny, funny, funny take. But he is uh, an endearing actor uh, in the right in the right part. I you know not I in this like movie. Him. Not in this not movie. In this movie. Correct. Uh, and Jake Riley. That they really spent a lot of time thinking of that name. Detective Jake Riley. 
Hmm. Gru loves breaking down the names. Yeah. And they are funny. They are funny. Yeah. Um, <laughs> at the start of the movie, Van Damme lights up a $20 bill on fire to ignite gasoline on the body. When he drops the bill, it miraculously turns into a dollar bill. Gru, is this a clear homage to the incredible inflation that we're going through right now? <laughs> it's either a clear homage to inflation <laughs> or an, or a horrible continuity error. I would probably go with option B. Um, yeah, I know. I had you know those are, those are fun those there. are fun little things that that show up in every movie. They have a ton of them, you know? but then I'm like, is this really interesting for me to like? They have so many in every movie, but I go. Yeah, I just don't think it's really that. Yeah, it's it's it's, uh, it's it's but in a movie like this, they're more fun to point out because it, yeah, it because, because because it keeps you keeps you more interested. Maybe I don't know. Oh man, I, I Van Damme. We all we do is crap on the guy. I feel so bad. <laughs> well, I don't. I'm well. I'm trying to. I, actually, I don't think. At least I do because I, this podcast has given me a a begrudging respect for Jean Claude because I I do think there are things he does well, um, but doesn't do it here. Real quick, uh, do you want to try and give me what do you think the Rotten Tomatoes uh, approval rating is on uh, the critical? Uh, we got eleven critical reviews. You want to give a score? Yeah, a let me. Uh, a so eleven. A gander. I'm going to say probably two or three were uh, were positive. So let's give that. Let's say it's in the twenties. Maybe you know I'll just say twenty percent, or to, or I guess twenty one or twenty two percent based on eleven. Uh, 27%. So you're 27%, close. Okay. What do you think of the audience score? The audience, 10, is, the audience is probably a little higher because I do think, and I, I wonder if you agree with me, there's a lot of low-hanging fruit in this movie. There's a lot of stuff that is sort of manipulative, uh, manipulative enough to make you think you're watching a better movie than you are. So I'm going to say the audience score is probably around 50 to 55%. What do you think? Or what? What is it? Your thinking is correct, but you're a little high, thirty-seven percent. Okay. All right. Well, still, that's um, sort of. But uh, yeah, I, I I think there's there because it, it looks. Doesn't the trailer look really good to you? It did to it, me. It it does it does. I had you know watching this. I remember this vaguely as a young man watching this somewhere i couldn't tell you where if it was on cable i i vaguely remember watching this movie um at some point uh unfortunately i didn't clip any critical responses those are always fun to read out but uh do you want to give a gander as to the movie gross because it's it's pretty stunning well isn't i i i think uh, it's probably not even like fifty thousand because I think this this was never released in theaters. I think this was his first like direct to video thing, so it's it's probably not even a million. I have right? no idea. It's wow, you're really good. Eight hundred ninety four thousand eight hundred and forty four dollars. Yeah, I don't think and I don't think it ever hit theaters. Thirty seven cents. I don't think it ever hit theaters. Thirty seven cents. I'm joking. Thirty seven cents. <laughs> <laughs> you're probably right I, maybe I, I there's just not a lot on this movie so look grew uh we did surmise that this is perhaps the slide for jean-claude so on a scale of zero to four lit matches 
Honestly, what'd you think of Replicant? One. Um, and that's for that really the one is for Jean Claude really trying and failing, but trying very hard. Um, this could have been um much better if his performance as the uh replicant you know acting like a child in the beginning and sh- and showing some growth he just doesn't have the chops to 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 pull that off without making it seem comedic and yes. but in a bad way we're laughing we're we're we're, we're it's unintentional laughter like schwarzenegger would be much better at a at a but even stallone probably wouldn't even be able to do this like it's not easy and uh, Schwarzenegger would because he's kind of done it before in certain ways. Like even in like Terminator Two, like when he's you know you know trying to like bond with the kid. Uh, so it's not a good movie at all. It's very very underwritten. Um, the action set pieces are starting to look like uh, sort of the later Steven Seagal ones that sort of cut around to make it sort of look not fake but not to reveal van damme's age he's 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 in his 40s now here so he probably can't do as much as he was as he used to be able to do the dual role thing isn't necessary i mean it's necessary here but it doesn't it doesn't work that well because it's necessary it's forced and the but the idea of it is fascinating because it really is like Okay, the only way we can stop this guy is to create another one of him to and program it to go after, and it's really a cool idea. It's kind of like uh, a, a, an amalgam of Terminator, Alien, and something else I was thinking of, but I forgot. And and I kind of like the idea, and it's always disapp- more disappointing to me when they take a good idea and screw it up by either not spending enough money or not getting the right talent or just making silly mistakes, thinking that the, the idea and look of it alone is going to sell it. And here, obviously it didn't. So unfortunately, um, nice try swing and a miss one lit match for replicant do better. And there is a better version of this story out there. I, 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 I think it, I think replicant should be remade. Oh, interesting. Interesting. You know? Uh, uh, yeah. Um, all right, Andrew. Let me... Uh, uh, <laughs> all right, let's get into... Uh, oh, my God. Here it comes. Um, He's stretching, folks. He's getting into a yoga pose. It, what is it, that? It's, it's interesting. Hey, pull up your pants. It's, all right. It's interesting conceptually. It makes no sense, but there is an interesting sci-fi concept here. Mm-hmm. I think Andy sort of uh, has a similar take there. Uh, what I don't like about this movie, uh, this movie has just no flow. It stylistically takes from a ton of movies. I see Alien Resurrection in the cocoon scene. I see Species with the, the flashbacks. That's the one. That's, seeing, that's the one I forgot, yes. You know, species. And seeing, you know, what the torch is seeing. Uh, I even, it's a stretch, but it feels like somebody took Jean-Claude in and went, Jean-Claude, see, it's 2001. It's grunge. <laughs> you got to go dark. And if you know, they want to give you like seven and, you know, he's got the stringy hair and he's got the, you know, the, the weird layer. And it, they want to give you that sort of that, that, um, nihilistic, that sort of that dark overtones, which he just cannot pull off. 
uh, fight scenes, Terminator, Demolition Man, one on one. It just in in Ringo Lamb, it the cuts. It's just so choppy and there's nothing original to the storyline so it's like well hey we'll take a little from alien resurrection we'll take a little and so there's just no flow and i do feel jean-claude is best portraying yeah like the white meat baby face he's the dewy-eyed hero and i'm not here to say it's the worst movie that we've seen but i've said it's by far the most disappointing i'm giving it half a match Mm. i found i watched this twice and i i there's nothing even here that I could link to and say, you know what, that's not bad. All of the other movies, there have been points where I'm like, all right, that's a fun fight scene. That's a fun this. It just you're watching Jean Claude as the replicant. Yes, he's a bait, and then he's he's doing uh, aerobics and he's doing the, the the horse and mount in his in his cell and uh, Michael Rooker's uh, being really mean to him and then has a pep talk with his mom and he's like. Oh wait! I need to treat him like a like a human being. I've seen the light. It's just silly across the board, and I don't think this was a good choice for for Jean Claude. And I, I do feel like it's like, oh hey, it's two thousand one. We're in grunge. You got to go villain, and it doesn't fit his talents. It's not where Jean Claude needs to be, and it's it's a mess of a movie, Andrew. Yes, and I will give you one way it could have been saved, and that was with uh a better director because to me the thing the the thing rises and falls under the performance of Jean-Claude Van Damme if Van Damme can sell it to us it works and a better director no disrespect to Ringo Lamb but he's probably kind of like like I said before he basically works for Van Damme so he's not going to be the one to say uh Jean-Claude I'm not buying what you you know I need I need a little more emotion here. I need this or to Rooker, Rooker, you're taking yourself a little bit too seriously. Let's let's, you know, let's lighten up a little bit. You're you're on your way to retirement. Let's you know, let's not be, you know, the you don't have to be the uh, you know, the the psychoanalysis whatever. Um so a a novice director is not going to approach that way. But let's say you got John Claude Van Damme starring in a movie that's going to be directed by a Ron Howard or or like some or somebody <laughs> or, or but somebody who we know is an established name who is respected and can walk up to a Jean Claude and say, "Listen, you're not delivering. You're just not delivering." Okay, if you need a day off, take a day off, and we'll work on it. Whatever, but you know, I think the writing is there. If you have a problem with the, like like a better director can direct actors to carry the movie better. And this could have been carried by a performance. Performance is three of them, good Van Damme, bad Van Damme, and Rooker, that we believed in. And unfortunately, we believed in none of them. But do you feel this material, I mean, I don't even think it suits, you know, like sometimes we look at a movie, whether it's Stallone or any movie, we go, this wasn't just a good project for this guy's skill set. I don't think this was a good project with Jean-Claude Van Damme. I hear what you're saying with a better director, sure. I just don't – I don't think it, it it goes into his wheelhouse, so to speak, as well, an actor, then if, there is, if there is one. Well, then his skill set is not is, – is like not more, more ass-kicking, less talky. And, you know, <laughs> and, but as you get older, you have to start talking more. And you have to, to – to, you know, you have to 
have the audience be with you when you can't do the things that they fell in love with you for. Like Stallone. They fell in love with him because he was, well, actually, they fell in love with him as Rocky before he even started, you know, he... They love the characters, a bad example, but like Schwarzenegger, okay? Schwarzenegger's personality has taken him to heights, like we said before. I'm not going to repeat it. Um, if he stayed at that Terminator monotone from 1984 on, he wouldn't have lasted, but he he evolved, and he worked at it, and he attached it. He wasn't afraid to it. Att- Look at the directors he, he worked with, Ivan Reitman. His first comedy is being directed by Ivan Reitman, the comedy director of the 70s and 80s. So you're working with people who are going to come, and Ivan Reitman will, will get into your face and say, Arnold, you're fucking it up. Like, and Arnold will sit back because he's trying to, he's trying, this is, this is his big, he knows what's at stake here. He knows this is his chance to cross over into a completely new realm of entertainment. And he's going to listen to the pro. Van Damme had a chance to do that with the second part here, with the replicant. He could have made, they could have made that a whole section of the movie showing us the, like a whole act could have been the cop and the replicant sort of developing this trust. Yes, it could have been. It could something. Eddie Murphy and Nolte. No, but it didn't know it didn't know what it wanted it to what it wanted to be. Uh, Understood, but my thing is Jean Claude is best as the white meat hero. And here the the replicant's really he's I guess the replicant is the hero and it's not fully formed and it's it's choppy and it comes off comedic and silly. And so that's why I don't feel this was a good Move for him. That's I agree. All. I, I agree. But but I will say I will say this to your point about like he's best as the white meat uh, baby face, uh, you know, hero. And while I do agree with that to a point, remember what I've what I've said about my opinion in the past. What his best performance was, and that was in uh, the Expendables, Expendables two, two as as well, the we'll villain. Cover Expendables. So two. yeah, we'll but so so it's in, so it's interesting you say that and. I think you're right because okay. I don't think he could have so pulled here, off but, the Expendables two performance at that point in his career. That's about. I was just going to say. Yeah. So Expendables two. Expendables two is what year, Andrew? I think I want to say 2012 or 13 around then. So okay, so 11, so, 12 years later. So he he's had 11 or 12 years of more reps. Probably a lot of yes. bad films, good films, blah blah blah. Well, we'll find and out, also, won't we? <laughs> and also, his mindset's probably a lot different now. You know, you're not yeah. uh, you're not the you're not batting fourth for the New York Yankees. You've been humbled a little bit, and you have an opportunity to get around good actors and 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 be in a reclamation project, so to speak. So, you know, we'll talk about it when we get to it. Um, Are we going to cover right, um, JCVD? Yes. We're okay. Cover good. Because I've but, never I've never but, seen that, and I re- I've always wanted to. Yes, and um, but at, we are. But you know, I am now more interested than ever to watch 2003 in Hell with Ringo Lamb. Me too. I want to see what Ringo, what Ringo, what Ringo does with John Claude. Yeah, and I want to compare it to this. So one. we're gonna do, uh, we're gonna do JCVD. We're gonna do Expendables two, and then we're, I think we're gonna go to, we're gonna call it Van Dammit, the best of the rest, and we're gonna find all those one-off movies, all those streamers, all uh. those good, bad, and really bad. And have fun just reviewing them, and we'll get all those movies in for sure. You know, we got should, quite the filmography. You know, what we should do once, you know, down the road, 
Let's take one of those. Let's take one of those, like one of those movies of like either Bruce Willis or John Travolta, or they they have like thirty of them, or Nicolas Cage, and just torture ourselves and do one of those one week. Let's you know? do it. I've never actually. I don't think I've ever actually sat down and watched one of those. You know, so I I, I kind of want to. <laughs> We have to submit that request to Ryan Rapal. Yeah, uh, we can we do that. That's okay. Do that form. I, do that yeah, form I have it. I have it. Uh, it's a PDF and uh, we'll... In media rights form. <laughs> yeah. All right, Andrew, let's let's close on a high note. 2024 Royal Rumble will be going down in just a couple of hours. Uh, so uh, let's take a look at the match card. Let's get your thoughts. Let's start off with, we'll, we'll have Andrew go first. Logan Paul versus Kevin Owens. That's a singles match for the... WWE United States Championship. I'll save you the background. Andrew, who do you got here and why? I got Kevin Owens to take the U.S. title from Logan Paul. Logan Paul's a part-timer, so I see Kevin Owens taking the title here and Logan Paul coming back, you know, maybe around Mania time to set up a Mania match for either a rematch for the title or, you know, if the title goes to somebody else. But Kevin Owens is kind of in limbo right now, so I think this is a good... uh, thing to it's good to put the title back on him especially since logan is you know kind of comes and goes so i got kevin owens uh clean win good match very good match i think it's gonna be uh andrew um you're completely wrong here uh logan paul will win and if anything kevin owens will get the rematch in this and the comeuppance at the biggest stage at wrestlemania uh wwe is wrestling Hollywood right now and there's no bigger name than Logan Paul. Uh one could argue that. Uh he's really good in the ring. The part-time stuff doesn't seem to bother really anybody including Triple H and the fans. I I just don't see Kevin Owens beating him here yet. So I will disagree with you. I will go with one Mr. Logan Paulie. Okay. It's also always more right. fun when we disagree. Um all right Andrew, I'll take the next one first. I've got the fatal four-way match for the undisputed WWE Universal Championship. Uh, Roman Reigns versus Randy Orton versus AJ Styles versus LA Knight. Uh, I don't care how we got here. Um, There's just, you know, Roman Reigns all 100% of the way. I um, I don't see any other avenue for anyone winning. Uh, they've teased sort of the um, rivalry with anything with the SmackDown general manager, Nick Aldis. I don't see Nick Aldis getting involved or anything like that. Um, nefarious ways. I really hope it's it's clean because I'm getting tired of the Roman Reigns, you know, jumbly finishes, although this one sets up a jumbly finish. But um, Roman's going finish. into Mania. As, yeah, Roman's going to, into Mania as, as the champ. Uh, I have Roman Reigns. Andrew? Uh, yes, I have Roman Reigns for all the reasons that you said. I'm going to go a step further. I'm going to say it's going to be Roman Reigns pinning AJ Styles. Um, oh, interesting. Okay. And I think it's going to be, even though it'll obviously be a jumbly, um, I, I still think it's going to be kind of clean because I think people are starting he to... He needs it. Yeah, that, exactly. It, yeah. You, said, you said exactly what I was going to say. The WWE Universe is sort of getting buzzy about the fact that they keep touting this record and how amazing Roman is, and yet he every win is a schmaz, every, and 
and the matches are so few and far between. So even though it doesn't seem to bother the you know the the execs, you still you're starting to get a little bit of criticism of that. So I think this match should be a clean win for Roman Reigns, but it's got to be on AJ because I don't I think he's the only one who can really afford the pin. I think Randy is on a momentum at, as is LA Knight, even though he's he's come down a little bit. Uh, I still that crowd was on fire for LA Knight last night. So um, I think the pin has to go on AJ, and it's got to be clean. And so we're agreeing on this one. And he's got to be stronger than Andrew. No, listen, Andrew's on point. Good, good, good stuff there. Right, we'll go to Andrew first. Let's take. Let's talk about the women's Royal Rumble match. We got thirty women. Whoever wins the Royal Rumble earns a world championship match at WrestleMania in Philly. Uh, some of the major participants that have been announced, Bailey, Becky Lynch, Bianca Belair, Nia Jax. Andrew, who do you got and why? Women's Royal Rumble. I've got Nia Jax. Why? Because she is on she is on a path. She is on a comeback like like I've never seen. She was done. She was fr- uh, like for for whatever reason just like she couldn't buy heat, and then she disappeared for a while. And for whatever reason, she's back now. Tables, and every honestly. time she's on, she, I'm glued to the TV. It's not like look. Is she is she pleasant to look at? Yes. Is she? I, do, I think I think is she, she is. Is she a sable? No. She's a female wrestler who is such who, a sexist who, yeah i am such a yes i am i i admit it but I'm no joking. she's a female wrestler so who, bring, who who for some reason has found a way to bring it in a way she hasn't before and i think i really think they'd be foolish to you know and he, and i think they're going to open the show with it so it's okay if it's uh, if if it's not the biggest crowd pleaser i think naya's got to win this one and i'm i'm going all in on it it's actually my most um, of the night, there are not many picks, but it's the one I'm. I would put most quality points on. Is that what they call it over there? Uh, don't give the fucking <laughs> no. Don't, don't don't don't. All right, okay. Don't. But I'm I'm because, I'm you know, more confident about guys, this than than the others. You know, the thing is, you know, I I I I get back into it, and then they're gonna say something that pisses me off with their stupid anxiety commercials. It, I, I don't want to. A woke wrestling podcast, and the guys do a good job, but they, they they take it way way over to the left. And I don't mean left left. Well, maybe I do. All right. So, <laughs> uh, I want to say something. I don't agree with Andrew's prediction, but it's ballsy, and I like it. I like Andrew's prediction. <laughs> I don't agree with it, but Nia Jax, she beat Becky Lynch on Raw, and I was like, at fifty three years old, I was like, wow, I cannot believe they went there, and I'm glad that they did. I think she's deserving of some FaceTime. She got humbled, and she's come back, and she's done a good job. And not that this is a referendum on her looks, but I think she's a beautiful woman. How about that? She is. So, uh, um, look, Andrew, I got, I got. To me, it comes down to one of four. I think we're going to see Jay Cargill finally, the big signing from AEW. Um, that's a tough read there because. She got all this press, and then they they kind of pushed it back. I think they're they've been working with her on her wrestling style and, and her presentation and everything like that. They they put a lot of money into her, and I think she'll deliver. But I think they wanted to wait and make sure when when it's done, it's done right. 
you always have Bianca Belair and you also always have Becky Lynch. You know, those are two big names. And I think the fourth one is Bailey. I think Bailey has been front and center with the damage control storyline and they've been teasing the breakup. And so my pick to win and look, I'm gonna be honest, I read I, I don't read as much as Andy maybe thinks. I, I read one website and that's about it. And I have been out of it lately. Uh, you know, I am getting married, damn it, and I've been busy. But uh <laughs> Oh yeah, I joking. got I got some work to do. <laughs> yeah, you do. I uh, video packages. Yeah. Uh but I, I think it's gonna go to Bailey here. That's my pick, and for a couple of reasons. She's one of the original four OG NXT horsewomen. So mm-hmm. it was Bailey, uh, Sasha, Charlotte, and uh, Becky Lynch. She's taken a backseat literally in the last two years to other people. She's jobs. She's done. It just, if I'm reading the tea leaves here and I don't drink tea and I don't like tea, <laughs> uh, I, I just feel like it's Bailey's time. And I feel like it's her time for a mania main event. I. And I'm not even sure there's so many – there's bigger names, yes, than her. But it feels like I'm kind of in the same vein with Naya as I am with Bailey. Um, I, I just – I don't know. I, I feel like there's a room for maybe her versus EO. Now that you have the Charlotte Flair injury, she's off on the SmackDown side. You can fit Bailey in here and get her a main event. It's the first one. I don't know if she's ever been involved in a main event at Mania on the women's side. So I love Andrew's pick. I don't agree with it, but I'm going to go Bailey here. Uh, all right. So here's why I like your pick. Um, Thank you. Uh, so you got Bailey. Who are the other? Th- uh, you had Jade Cargill. So what's got to happen with Jade Cargill if she's going to be in it? Which I think, with I agree with you. I think they're gonna that this would be the perfect spot, and they gotta yes. give her a good run. She's gotta they they she's gotta have the Diesel moment. She's gotta you know come in make a big splash, but she should not win. Not on not on her for not on her first. She's not main eventing WrestleMania with her second match. Okay, but she's gotta come in get a huge pop and do really well. And then disappear for a little bit, and then get eliminated like out of nowhere um, by somebody reputable. Um, Bailey and Naya, both of our picks, each of them move things forward. Becky Lynch winning moves nothing anywhere. Okay, um, who and who else did you say? Always Bianca Belair. Always Bianca there. to me again doesn't move anything anywhere because she's already been there. And I don't, I don't need to see it. She's probably gonna. Be, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry in advance for asking this, but are there two women's world titles? Yes. Yeah, Rhea's EO got Sky one. Has yeah, this. all right. So EO and Rhea. Rhea Ripley. Right. And so EO. whoever. So if so, uh, if Bailey wins, it moves the story forward, and she's gonna face one, and then Bianca will most likely face the other. Um, so she doesn't need to win here. Bailey or someone like Naya does because that will push them. And they and I'll say this to your point about Bailey, based on what I saw last night, whether it was on TV or not, they are pushing Bailey to the moon. So oh, I think she deserves it. She yes, deserves it. Yes. So, so I'm gonna stick with um, Naya, but I'll be just as happy with uh, with Bailey winning this. All right, I'm coming up on my uh, self-proposed uh, time element, but I do want to ask you a further question. Yes, how would you book? How would you book Jade Cargill for WrestleMania? 
Uh, honestly, I'm going to save you some time here because I don't know enough about her to to give a. You don't. A you don't answer. need to. You know she's. A, you know she's a big name. Does she have a spot on the card, the match card at WrestleMania yes. two nights? Yes. Is, is she in a? Is she in a main event or is she in a no. strong secondary? She's not, she's not in a main event. She's in, like you said, a strong secondary. Uh, you know, maybe maybe her versus Bianca would be, you know, if, if the titles are tied up with Becky Lynch and Nia and B- Bailey or whatever. Okay, good, good um, but you put her with somebody good and you have her go over against somebody good, you know, probably on a night one. Um, but uh, but yeah, that's how I would that's how I would do it. You don't want it to burn out. All right, Andrew. Good stuff. Good stuff. I like what you had to say. Men's Royal Rumble. We got 30 guys. And the winner of the match earns a world championship match at WrestleMania in Philly. Uh, we have a couple of announced participants. I'm not going to read them. So I'll give my thoughts first. And then I will be very interested to hear Andrew's thoughts on the winner of the men's match. So I see it really between three, possibly four guys. I'm going to give you CM Punk. I'm going to give you Cody Rhodes. I'm going to give you Gunther. And I, I, I hate to say it. I give an outside shot maybe of The Rock showing up. Um, and um, let me say off the bat, I'll be – listen, like I'll, I'll give a Rocky Four response if The Rock ends up facing Roman Reigns. I'll love it. And But I don't want it. I really don't want it for WrestleMania. I want the story to end with Cody and Roman Reigns. I re- and, and that's – kind of how I see it. Um, I was rock solid, so to speak, on CM Punk, but I've lowered my percentages. So I'm going to go here. I still think it's going to be CM Punk, but instead of going like 90%, which I would have given you maybe two or three weeks ago, I'm going to go CM Punk at 50, Gunther at 40, Cody at 10. I'm going to stick with my original, my first impression. I think it's CM Punk's time and I think they put a lot of money and time, and it just feels like his time to shine here. Whether or not he wins something, I'll 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 talk about that in another podcast. Uh, but yeah, Gunther is slowly that 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 promo got me thinking a little bit, and some people have surmised. But I'm gonna stick with my original guy. I'm gonna go with the uh, with uh, CM Punk here to win the Royal Rumble. Andrew, what do you got? That's a great pick. Um, I. He, and I kind of feel the same way as you do, um, because what I believe was the plan was to set up tonight a match, a mania match between Gunther and Brock Lesnar. Now that we know Lesnar is uh, off the table, that that get, that ups Gunther's percentage to win this thing by a lot. But I am still going to stick with my original pick which is the same as yours, CM Punk. He's the hot hand. You end the show, CM Punk wins and chooses Rollins on the spot, and the crowd goes home with a huge pop with the match that they want to see. You can get Cody to to Roman in multiple ways. So CM Punk is my pick, and I'm going to give it at like 85%. Okay. I like how you ended too. I, I think that would be interesting if you just popped it right there and said Seth Rollins, you know, just well, go don't they full, usually do that full, now? No, they usually do like the next day at raw oh. or whatever. They have like, you know, the guy comes out and then maybe the two champions stand there. Or I remember when, ask, when Nakamura you know. won like that night, they're like, who are you going to pick? He's like, AJ Styles. Oh 
okay, so maybe. <laughs> <laughs> How do you say it? Let me hear that again. Hey, Jay, style. Uh, I love uh, Nakamura. You know, He's awesome. Uh, by the way, love what they've done with Nakamura. Yes. Love what yes. they've done with yes, Nakamura. Yes, yes, um, so, no, they, they – so, yeah, so if he did an AJ Styles like Nakamura, I'd be – I'm saying I'd love if he just grabbed the mic and he was like, you know what? I'm not waiting. Yeah. F this S. Awesome. The place will go – the place bonkers. will go bonkers. Yep. So I, I, I agree with you. You know, as a fan, you just get a feeling – like last year, I said to you, uh, you know what? I want Roman to win, and I want one more year of Cody, and so we're going to get that. And I feel like it's Cody's time. But for Gunther, he, you can make a damn strong case. But yeah. I, I want him for next year. I, I, that's just as a fan, you know. Uh, let me let let's let him build. Uh, you know, let him lose or let him. I don't know how they're going to do it, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun to see how they integrate Gunther, um, but no, I don't want him in my main event yet. I want him right. in twenty twenty five. Yeah, what and what here's here's Give me what, what I want. Here's what I'd like to Jesus. see, and real quick, I, uh, here's what I'd like to see. I want to see Cody uh, beat Roman for the title, finish that story, and then you bring in Rock because it's almost like, well, I guess uh, you're not so you're not so hot a- after all, uh, Roman. You lost the title to. Uh, to an over the hill or whatever, you you know, like like there's story there. Now Rock can challenge for the head of the table. If Roman wins, what you know, it's like uh, the guy's unbeatable. So what's Hold there on. to challenge? I'm actually, a, I'm actually a writer for WWE. Can you repeat that line that Rock says to Roman? Oh, hey, you're not. Hold on, you're not. <laughs> you're not what was that? You're not. <laughs> what? what so uh, big uh, whatever I stuttered. All, yeah. But that's what I'd like to see. You're I'd not like so to see. Big after all, I'd like to see the the Rock the Rock Roman head of the table thing. I I would I would think it would be great if at Mania if at Mania Cody beats uh, Roman, does the celebrating, and then they pull another bait and switch like you know they put the. Uh, the thing on and then rock comes out and challenges Roman for mania 41 right there. I think that'd be awesome. Well, here's the thing. They, I, if it's a year, it's gotta be a year. They can't, I mean, rocks 50, 51 years old. We're on borrowed time. So we got to get this in. I'm saying if you want to do that, that's fine. But I, we or summer slam another, another either year. way. I don't All think right, it should fine. be at this coming mania. This right, is Cody's well, listen, time. Uh, I'm going to uh like Dave Ladrecka said. Actually, before you go, all right, before you go, can I ask wait, wait, you one let question? Let me give you my breakdown. Okay, go ahead, wanna, go ahead, go ahead. I'm going to walk the dogs. I'm cleaning the back patio. I'm going upstairs. I'm showering, and I'm going to be like, listen, I really don't want to be bothered for the next four <laughs> hours. Order me a chicken parm sub <laughs> and uh, and a, a cherry Pepsi and uh, – well, anyway, yeah, just, <laughs> and a stripper. I told her well, I'm not doing anything tonight. <laughs> yeah, we went out. We went out Friday night on a rare Friday night. Or we went out so, last uh, month. <laughs> I'm, I'm looking. Uh, I'm looking forward to uh, Royal Rumble. Andrew, you had. Did you have one other wrestling question? Yes, or, I. I, I uh, you know, because I have a thought. Uh, do you have a pick for a surprise entrant? You know, um, that's a great question, and I, it's one that I've not given any thought to. Um, 
if there's going to be one, I feel like it's going to be more on the women's side, maybe like an Alexa Bliss or something like that. Or, I mean, I'm trying to think of a cool sort of veteran callback, nostalgia callback that they can bring out. I mean, there was some some inklings of, uh, I heard, maybe X-Pac, but that really... It's fine, and I'll have a great time seeing him, but it's not something I'm going to be like, oh, my God! Yeah. So, no, you caught me there. Obviously, you want to give yours. Yes, uh, I have one, Um, and before I say it, I don't want this to happen. I absolutely don't don't want it to happen. Don't tell me Hulk Hogan. I'm calling Hulk Hogan. I'm calling Hulk Hogan, and here's why. And here's why. He'll get get booed out of the arena. He'll get booed. uh, Well, maybe, and that's... Most of the reason why I don't want it to happen, I also think he's too fucking old. Um, but they, they've they been airing too much of this 40 years of Hulkamania, and he keeps teasing it. And they did it again last night in the arena during a commercial, almost as if to test the waters. And they put it up on the big screen, and he was the narrator and the person who was talking all about hyping up the Rumble. And then the last shot was of his face, like, it's all about the Rumble, whatever. And the crowd popped big. I don't think it was on TV. So that's the reason. And it was at that time when I'm like, you know what? Uh, All right. You know what? I'll go out on a limb, and I'll say I'm going to call it. I hope it doesn't happen. I And I... I, I really do, and I'm, he's still my favorite of all time, but his time has come and gone, all right? I, I agree. Um, I but agree. I'm still going to put it out there. But that's based right. on information I, that I had that you didn't. By the way, so. I'll, I'll mark out, but... I wouldn't I, mark I out. I'd be either. like, I'd be, Evan, I'll be like this. Eh, I don't yeah, want to watch. I don't want to see it. it. I don't want to see it. Even though like when we met him in person, we were both like, oh, I love you, I love you, I love you. It's a different thing. You know, it is a different thing. Yeah, it, so. is, it is a different thing. All right, guys. Uh, in one month time, we'll return back to Van Dammit. It's a good one, one that we've already talked about a little bit. I'm interested in seeing with Gru. It's 2008, the aptly titled JCVD. Gru, the biggest fight of his life, 2008, JCVD. Can't wait. This is one that I've heard nothing but positive things about. I haven't checked like reviews or anything, but people yeah. who've seen it have all told me that it's that it's good stuff. I've never seen it, so I'm actually I'm excited to watch it and uh, discuss it. And you know, I'm I'm because I'm kind of getting tired of being disappointed by this guy. Yeah. All right, so give me something good. So uh, I'm 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 cautiously optimistic on this one. All right, so that dovetails into our next podcast when Gru and I return back to the mothership. We're going to be cautiously optimistic in nothing worthwhile neighborhood as. As we said, the Piano Man Billy Joel is back, and we'll give you our thoughts on the new single and maybe more. Turn the lights on, and we'll add some thoughts if there's any additional Joel material. think it'll be a good time. We'll have special guests. My younger brother, Andrew Moody, will join us to cover all things nothing worthwhile. And Billy grew. turn the lights on. Turn the lights on. Did I wait too long? We will find out, won't we, Evan? So, uh, yeah, this it's exciting stuff on the nothing worth not, on the nothing worthwhile <laughs> on the nothing worthwhile neighborhood. Nothing but exciting things on the horizon. Well, we hope everyone has enjoyed this uh, podcast of Van Dammit. Andrew, uh, take us out of here. Ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today on Van Dammit and our run-through review of Replicant, the latest JCVD adventure. Next time, 
on uh, Van Dammit, JCVD, the movie. And next time on Nothing Worthwhile, as we just said, we're going to be talking about Billy Joel. And did he wait too long to turn the lights back on? We will find out soon. And until then, folks, we hope you have a wonderful weekend. We hope you enjoy the Royal Rumble this evening. And we hope all good things that don't come to an end. And until next time, one, two, three. Rip on. Oh, retreat! Oh, yeah. No, no retreat. Oh, <laughs> oh, my God. Every time. Oh, such a schmuck. Um, yeah, this is this is Gru saying uh, no retreat. No retreat? <laughs> no no surrender. surrender. All right, let's try it again. Uh, one, two, three. No retreat. And no surrender. Uh, All right, not, not bad. Not too cow, everybody. <laughs>